Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, we praise you and we bless you and thank you for being committed to us. Help us to be committed to you. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want you to open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter 5. I just love how God let us stay in this book and it brought us right to what he wants to speak to us <laughs> on this day. Amen. 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 Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king. For judgment is toward you, because you have been a snare on Mizbah, and a net spread upon Tabor. And the revolters are profound, and make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. For the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doeth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds and seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a moth devour them with their portion. Blow ye the cornet and gibbet, and the trumpet and ramah. Cry aloud, Bethaven, after thee, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bomb. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is opposed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore, will I be unto Ephraim as a mall and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his womb, then went Ephraim to Syrian and sent to King Jerob, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your womb. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue them. This is the key verse and the verse from which I'll draw my subject for this morning. Verse 15 says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. I'm gonna preach this morning from the subject, fully committed. Fully committed. Amen. 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 We talking about commitment this morning. Amen. Everybody's not committed. <laughs> Amen. 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 Extraordinary afflictions are not always.
the punishment of extraordinary sins. But sometimes the trial of extraordinary graces. That was written by Matthew Henry. The Bible says in Psalms 119.71, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Affliction is defined as something that causes pain or suffering, a curse to bear, or something that causes agony. Let's face it, no one likes pain, and nobody likes to suffer. We've been in ministry and a family for 13 years. We've been through a lot. We've gone through a whole lot. We've seen people come. We've seen people go. But nothing like we've been experiencing right now. If we could have things our way, we'd be, we, would, we would much rather be on a bed of ease, much rather be back in the sanctuary, much rather be around our families, be able to praise God like we're used to, but we're, 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 we're not used to what we're going through. Right. But the, true, the saying is true. No pain, no gain. Amen. God is not raising spoiled babies. He's raising warriors. He's raising overcomers. Yes. He's raising more than conquerors. Yeah. Warriors are meant for war. Right. Overcomers have to have an obstacle. Right. And conquerors yeah. take over territory. Okay. It is in the furnace of affliction that greatness is discovered. It is in the furnace where you find out who your friends are. Who's with you. Who's not with you. Who's committed. Yeah. It, it looks like everybody's with you when things are going good. It looks when it looks like you're winning, when everything is going as planned. But being on a boat doesn't make you a sailor. Come on. It's a storm that makes you a sailor. Affliction is God's ace card. It, it, it's the card that gets the job done. I don't know if anybody out there plays spades, but when you got all trumps in your hand, you know you got a winning hand. Yep. You ain't going to say nothing. Yes. So my job today is I want to look at what's so good about affliction. And I want us to examine ourselves to find out if we're really truly committed or not. Amen. It is an affliction, number one. Affliction helps us trace God's goodness. I need you to write that down if you're taking notes. Affliction helps us trace God's goodness. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 67 through 68, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Yep. You never will fully comprehend the goodness of God until you bear the brunt of life in a broken world without him. When you seek to define happiness in terms of feeling good or attaining, attaining material comforts or by being praised by others, you're playing right into the rules of a fallen world. Yeah. And you get exactly what you're looking for. Broken rules. You ain't going to say nothing. 
Or maybe you, you just break yourself trying to please them. Sooner or later, the pressure, the pleasure stops being pleasurable. Or the source of pleasure that you once looked for, they fail to deliver what they once could deliver to you. Right. You ain't getting high no more. The sex ain't satisfying no more. The liquor ain't helping you no more. The drug ain't helping you no more. You ain't saying nothing. Sooner or later, you reach the limits of what prosperity can achieve. You done brought every shoe you could possibly have. You ain't gonna say nothing. Sooner or later, pride sets up, and it sets you up for a fall. And yet, beyond that is God. When you run out of you, there's God. Y'all better help me. Faithfully loving and caring and offering us something more. Basically, himself. As one song says it, at the end of broken dreams, there's an open door. God uses affliction to align us to his will. Look at that scripture. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. If you're ever driving and your car starts to go other than the place that you turn it, it means that you need an alignment. So God will use affliction in our lives to put us back on straight street. Paul was going astray when he was persecuting the church until Jesus afflicted him with blindness and opened his eyes. I'm trying to help somebody. It is an affliction that we see how good God is. Listen, until Corona hit, uh, some of us didn't realize exactly how good God is. The other night, Trevor, our brother Trevor testified. He said, you know what? I can't. My, in other words, he was saying, my testimony can't be on the backside of my wife's healing. Now I know God as my healer. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, God, for an alignment. Thank you, God, for an some alignment. Of, some of us are getting off, getting off of our purpose, getting off of our mission. We start swerving. We start forgetting how good God is. But I thank God that he'll afflict us and put us back in line with his will. Yes. Number two, affliction leads us to discernment and knowledge. Affliction leads us to discernment and knowledge. The Bible says in Psalms 119.65-66, he says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Listen to this. If you do something stupid, it hurts because you did something stupid. If you have a great opportunity to do something smart, you don't do the same stupid thing again. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and we all have said it at one time. You ever hear this phrase that I have the scars to prove it, right? Not all of those scars are self-inflicted, but all of them carry a lesson yeah. that was learned in a battle. Jesus. That's why when bullets are flying and you're in a hot battle, people look to a seasoned sergeant. They're not looking for a rookie on, lieutenant. Yeah. Nobody values wisdom more than when you're all you're seeing is pain. And one day, the discernment and understanding that you're learning in the affliction is going to be worth the scars you gained in the process. 
What's even more precious is this. The scripture says, teach me good knowledge and discernment. What, what we're going to learn when we start breaking open this book about the gifts of the Spirit, some of you already know that knowledge and discernment is a gift from God. They are gifts of the Spirit. So watch this. They're gifts of the Spirit. So God uses affliction to sharpen our gifts. Oh my God. In other words, if you're not going through anything, then you're not gifted. If you're not experiencing trouble, then you're not gifted. There's nothing to sharpen. In other words, you've been anointed for affliction. Right. Oh, oh y'all wow. better help me. Y'all better. See, everybody thinks they, they better. Listen, anybody can preach. <laughs> anybody can teach. Anybody can sing a song. Anybody can do. But here's something not anybody can do. Not everybody can go through affliction. There are some people that you know that went through a little bit less than what you went through that took their own life. But the very fact that you're still here after all that you went through is the fact that you have been anointed to go through what you went through. Oh my God. You might have to go ahead and run in your own house this morning. Somebody say, I've been anointed for affliction. Yeah, and that's that's hard to get somebody to say because everybody want to be anointed to, to preach. They want to be anointed to lead. They want to be anointed to rule, but don't nobody want to be anointed to go through something. That's why when people, oh my God, when people are trying, be careful of being jealous of somebody's anointing. Be careful of being hungry and wanting somebody else's position because you don't know what they had to go through to get anointed for what they're doing. Hallelujah. Which brings me to number three. Affliction is training. If I was preaching, as I say, it's the school of the hard knocks. Yes, yes. In Psalms 119, 69, 71, he says, With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. For it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The Hebrew writer expresses it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. But later, it yields a peaceable fruit yes. of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Yeah. I wish I could tell you something different, but if you look at the broad pattern of life in both the Old and the New Testament, you will find that prosperity tends to make people, even people of God, careless. Makes them dull, but it doesn't have to. Those who, for, but those whose hearts are turned toward him, affliction has a way of bringing discipline into our lives. Simply put, it sharpens us. It makes your faithfulness more defined and your obedience more quicker and more complete. Yeah. 
Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. See, when you have everything and you think you got it going on, you don't think you need God. So you start leaning to your own understanding. But when God starts drying up stuff and you find out that that's not it, then it makes you quick to learn. You are, you you start understanding that you don't have all day to learn a, to learn a principle that you need to learn real quick. Along with that, watch this, it sets a stage for victory in our lives. For those that have been trained by it, he says, for those that have been trained by it, affliction, watch this, demands one of two double responses. I said one of two double responses. If, if When you're going through affliction, you're either going to flee and hide, or you're going to fight and trust. They both go hand to hand. Either you're going to run and hide, or you're going to fight and trust. For Daniel, it was lions. He couldn't run from the lion. He, she, she had to trust that God was going to deliver him from the lion. Yeah. For Peter, it was prison. Come on. He couldn't break out of prison. He yeah. couldn't flee prison. He had to trust that God was going to deliver him. For Jonah, it was a whale. Yeah. He couldn't get out of the whale. He could have been, y'all better help me. For, for David, it was Goliath. For the lepers, it's a disease. For Lazarus, it was the grave. Because the Bible says the race is not given to the swift, but for him that endures to the end. It, 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 the race is for those who are committed to the race. Woo! Some of you want to stop running, but you can't run. You can't hide. You got to fight and trust. You got to believe that God is able, that he's more than able to do above what we can ask or think. I feel like preaching. You preach it. Somebody say, I'm committed. I'm committed. And if I got to endure some scars, that means I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to be healed. Watch this, watch this. When Jesus healed the lepers, the Bible says that they were healed as they went. Which means I'm going to have some scars in the process, but I'm going to get healed as I can be committed to my journey. Hallelujah. I only got a couple more to give you. Can I give you a couple more? And then I'm going to get out your way. Affliction removes the fat from our lives. I said it fat. F-A-T. Yeah, dude. Affliction removes the fat from our lives. In Psalms 119.70, the Bible says, The heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. See, I know what a fat heart feels like. It's sluggish. It's careless. It's lazy. It's dull. God has an interesting solution for a spiritually fat heart. It's called the treadmill of affliction. You better help me up in here, Andrew. I ain't got to go running with you. God has me on the treadmill of affliction. Welcome to God's edition of the biggest loser. Y'all better help me. He's going to work off some of the fat in our hearts. It, it, it isn't going to be from watching TV or singing in the choir. He, he's going to put us in some situations that are so painful 
to obey his word. Y'all better help me. You ever been in a situation where it hurts to obey? Yes. Oh my God. He, he, he's going to expose you to the absolute dire need to trust Come him. On. When everything in you is screaming, curse God and die. But something else is happening in the process. You're getting leaner. You're getting cleaner. You're getting more energetic. You're getting spiritually strengthened. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten there any other way. It's nothing like affliction to teach you how to pray. It's not like affliction that'll make you fast. It's not like affliction that'll make you memorize some scripture. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Affliction will make you give your Bible a workout. See, I can tell people in the congregation who have been going through hell that that's the people whose Bible's pages are falling out because they're looking for an answer. You ain't saying nothing. In some ways, Corona is God's version of Planet Fitness because we have become so fat on self and lean on him. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, affliction is giving us an appetite for him. Y'all better give God some praise. Ain't nothing like affliction to work up an appetite. Hallelujah. Number five. Affliction helps us prioritize what's valuable in our lives. Psalm 119, 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Affliction has a way of separating the gold, silver, and precious stones from the wood, the hay, and the stubble in our lives. When you can't have it all, you start paying attention to the things you're most desperate for. In other words, you find out what really matters. Sometimes we don't acknowledge that God's truth is more precious than silver and gold until we don't have any silver or gold. Jesus. Hard times teach us what's valuable. And if we're teachable, we can learn some things. Malachi says this, listen to this, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Who can endure the day of the Lord's coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like refiner's fire and full of soap. Refiner's fire to judge those who call themselves children of God. Jesus will return and separate true believers from those who call themselves Christians. In Malachi's day, silver was silver ore was crushed into small granules and grounded into powder. Water was poured over the powder to wash away the dross. The meaning, the remaining silver-like powder was then melted in a crucible. The more heat the fact that, that was added, the more precious the silver was that rolled in, then it would blow away the dross. I'm here to tell you in this season of finding out who's fully committed. This is why I love and I thank God for those who've been fully committed. Because those who've been coming on Zoom, 
those who've been coming on there, those who've been paying their tithes, those who've been praying, those who've been fasting. See, when you go through something is when you find out who's really with you. And I believe that it is in these seasons where God is putting us in the fire so that he can blow away the dross. I'm not worrying about what doesn't remain. I'm thanking God for what's still there because God is only concerned on what remains. Y'all better help me up here. He, it's not about what, what gets blown away because if you're rooted and grounded in truth and in his word, you're not going to be one that's blown away by every wind and doctrine. Hallelujah. I'm reminded as I close at what Jesus said to his disciples in the sixth chapter of John when he was saying some hard sayings, where there were some hard things going on. You'll go ahead and read it. I ain't got time. I feel like preaching. So he, he was asking them, and then after he did some hard sayings, a lot of his disciples left, and then Jesus turned to the twelve, and he said, will you go also? And they said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, God was saying, after I say some hard things, after I allow some hard things to happen in your life, after you got to go through some stuff in your ministry, go through some stuff in your marriage, go through some stuff, then I'm going to ask you, uh, are you going to leave like everybody else left? Hallelujah. But I thank God that we serve a God who's able to keep that which is wants to be kept who's able to hold on to that but what wants to be hold on to. Somebody say, I'm fully committed. And God said, if you be committed to him, he'll be fully committed to you. That's why the Bible says, even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I thank God, hallelujah, for a group of people who have been committed to God and his purpose. We are on the rise. God is doing a great thing, doing a wonderful thing in this 13 year. I Thank God. Yeah. Hallelujah. That we are fully committed. Thank you, Lord. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Where my committed people at? See, see, it hurts when you're one of the committed. Because when you're one of the committed, you this this is how you know you're committed. When you always say, where's everybody else at? Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. When you're one of the ones saying, where's so-and-so at? That means you are the ones that are committed. When you're always there to be able to see what's going on, you're committed. That y'all ain't gonna say nothing. And, And the ones who are committed are the ones God is looking for. See, opportunity presents itself to those who are committed. You want me, you want to talk about getting your blessing? You ain't gonna get your blessing you ain't committed. You got to be there when it rains, when it pours, when it snows, when you don't see them, when you can't see them. You got to be there because God, I don't want to miss my blessing. Hallelujah. Listen, I pray. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that a spirit of commitment like never before would come upon our congregation. That fear would be moved out the way, would be cast out, and that we would trust and and move in the things that God has told us to move in without reserve. We thank you, God, for those who have been committed. Father, for those that have been wavering from side to side a little, God, I thank you for the alignment. I thank you that you pulled us into your garage, that you set us up, that you put new wheels on us, that you got that thing balanced out, that things will begin to 
religious start weighing themselves out that people will begin to see that those who they thought were for them are not for them and that God they do that in this season of life they, they will refuse to be around people who aren't committed to their well-being who aren't committed to their destiny to their future and to their to their success as they walk with you I give you praise and glory for all these things in Jesus name amen